so what we're going to do this morning is talk about the what. The what we need to do. And we're going to go to the second chapter of Nehemiah to get an idea. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12, that Nehemiah had already gotten letters and he had got permission to go to his home place because his heart was burdened for what was happening and what had went on. And he says, Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire? Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also of the king's word that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Close your eyes and pray with me if you would, Father. This is your word. This is not a manual. This is not a magazine. It's not a self-help book, although it has helped me myself thousands of times. So, Lord, this is also the seed, your word, and it falls on fertile soil and produces. But it also falls on stony, dry soil and does not produce. We know the enemy, O oh God, is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right now, God, I know these people here, those that are possibly online, are soil. And Satan wants to steal this seed. He is all for what they hear on TV, what they see on Facebook, what they hear in the world, but he has no desire for them to receive this. But I come against him in the name of you, Jesus, and I pray you would protect them. Help them not to be distracted by what they got to do today or what happened this week or what might happen this week or even how they feel in their body, Lord. I pray that in the name of Jesus, they would protect this time and receive this soil so they can all leave and we can all leave out of this building saying, I was glad when they said unto me, let me go to God's house and we can leave edified by your word. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. So, the wall was in disarray. In fact, the whole town had a bad reputation. This was not God's plan. This is what God did not see when he birthed that nation. God didn't see this. But God, God saw a land flowing with milk and honey. He saw a beautiful people. He saw a beautiful place. And because of sin and because of neglect, the walls that used to be something that was beneficial and a sense of security had been threatened and deteriorated and the reputation had long gone. I want to tell you today that the walls that we have 
are our children and your children, your grandchildren, doesn't matter what age they are, but the walls that need to be built up again is the children that are still alive and those that are yet to be born that are in the womb that the devil himself has already made a plan to tear them down because he comes not but for to kill, to steal, and destroy. And he's already put in many children's minds the thought that they're everything but a child of God are a product of the cross of Jesus Christ and they can be something valuable in the hand of God. Satan has already torn down many walls, but God said and God's raised up a people and you are that people to do something about it, do something good while there's time left that you saw on the video. So 25 years ago, God started something over Almost 20 years ago at 106 John's Road, God told our church that he, many times, mind you, through the Spirit, I will give you the city. It doesn't mean we're going to be the only church that's reaching people and doing the right, righteous thing, but it does mean that God said he would give us the city and he will give you what you can handle. He will give you what you can disciple. He will give you what you can love. That's the city that God wants to give us. And since we all have a knack and a love and a desire for children, God has given us the city of children in Scotland and surrounding counties. And today is the day of salvation to reach that wall that Satan thinks he's completely crumbled and torn down. So... I want to start by going back without showing you on the screen. I want to tell you, I told one couple at the end of service last week, if you don't think the children are being attacked, I made reference last week at this pulpit about a book that is being circulated in school libraries. And I'm going to be very careful because we have children here. How I explain this to you but I want you to know because a lot of you I don't mean to be disrespectful or condescending that's not what God's told me to do today but a lot of us are walking around in a fog and a stupor we don't know anything but what we want to do tomorrow or where we want to go eat at Friday we don't know what's happening on our watch and on our dime when it comes to spiritual warfare and I'm telling you today that this book, among many things, you know about the Disney mess. You know about all the things where kindergartners can now go to school and decide if they want to be a boy or they want to be a girl, and they can go to a guidance counselor or a school nurse and talk about this. They can be addressed as this, and they are bound by law not to let the parents know. It's happening, church. If you don't know that, that's some free news that is really going down and happening. But along with that, there's things like this book I'm making reference to that is written and designed, listen to me, from the ages of four years of age to eight years of age that starts at the starting point of explaining to them how to have sexual relations with another girl or boy, their age group, and it goes from start, adults, think like an adult for 40 seconds, from start to finish, and it even has a graphic picture there, and over in the side margin, it's got a place that explains what contraceptives is. I don't mean 13 years old in a science or PE class. I mean for a four-year-old. I got a three-year-old grandbaby. And I'm telling you, the assault is on, and the church is the only answer to do something about it. I mean, it's sickening. I could not believe it. When I read it, if that's not enough, if the gender confusion and who is the author of confusion is not enough, we've got everything from the social media vehicle of Satan where he does everything from uh, try to define what beauty is. Uh, we know about gender. He all, uh, uh, everything from race baiting to uh, bullying where 
children, young children, have even went and taken their own lives because of the way they've been bullied, not at school only, but on social media. Satan owns that avenue and outlet. But also, and um, this might, might, might sting to people that you know, but don't care, don't care, don't care if that's not enough. While we're doing all of this, and we're spent, not against this now, while we're ooing and on over our latest pet park, nothing wrong with that, but I wished that before we did that, somebody could have stood up and said, we're not going to put a vape shop in front of the high school where they're already vaping and they're already being encouraged. You cannot tell me, church. You cannot tell me. And I don't know who owns it, don't care who owns it, and I'm not against them. I'm telling you, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We are, uh, we're fighting principalities. We're after spiritual wickedness in high places, and that's how you have to go. So you can't tell me that that's not strategically placed in front of the high school, and nobody's going to turn down money. We don't know how many's all. They don't need to be encouraged. That's the new thing. See, in the 50s and 60s, some of you know what I'm talking about. It was rolling up a pack of Winston's or something in your sleeve. You know what? Does anybody remember that size of me? All right, it, that was the thing. Well, now the new thing is vaping and every other drug, but see, that's acceptable. And so now we've conveniently put effort and time into other things that are not eternal. And I'm not sure all dogs do go to heaven, by the way. Don't know that. But before we do things like that, and somebody will say, well, Pastor, you shouldn't say that because that was all done all over the country with grant money. Well, take the grant money somewhere and invest it into doing something wholesome to keep children out of a wayward way and then build dog parks and everything else. And again, it could be a personal friend of mine. I'm not attacking the person. I'm not attacking their interest in business. What I'm attacking is the spirit that is trying its best to lure and pull and deceive. And somebody that might have never thought about vaping, now they're going to vape because all they got to do is walk 100 yards to get it. I'm not mad. If Ashley was here, I'd get her to say it. I'm just passionate. So, I want you to look at this. 75% of the kids left the church. Some of you might have seen this on Facebook. The source is kidmensites.com, great children's ministry, and I'm going to share some more things in a minute. 75% of kids left the church from 18 to 29 years of age. This is why I didn't mind showing you a funny video. I'd rather them be showing you that than me going down there trying to post bail or give them a cross or a Bible down here at the detention center. Yeah, I had. I've done that many, many times. I'd rather show you a video where young people are doing something. Can somebody praise God today? Hallelujah. So, 75% of the kids left church from 18 to 20. Why 25%? 25% stay connected with Christ. You know what, I, I can't even read that because I do know things about rolling up cigarettes and everything else, but wait a minute. You wait, don't you say nothing. Don't you say nothing. Them birthdays is coming your way soon. <laughs> Number one, the reason is because I love my wife. She had sent this to me earlier this week. I love that woman. That is spiritual, by the way. The Bible said, men love your husbands the way Christ loved the church. So I just thought I'd be spiritual for a minute. But the number one reason they stay connected, the 25%, listen to this, this all has something to do. Y'all got to hang with me today because we're about to go somewhere. Uh, they ate dinner five to seven nights a week as a family. Number two, Served with their families in a ministry. So you don't want to sign up to help. Number three, had one spiritual experience in the home during the week. Hey, 
You may not have preached a revival and saw them slain in the spirit, but you might have just been playing praise music or done a devotional or said a Bible verse again. See, you don't have to swing the bat hard. You just got to pick it up. Also, I said men love their husbands. You see how the devil's working this thing today. Nikki asked me backstage, are you going to say, say this, that, then? I said, I, I don't know when I get out there. Number four, but, but husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. Maybe the only reason I said it a while ago because somebody was talking and God wanted me to just say it where you could hear it loud. But the fourth reason why the 25% stayed is because they were entrusted with responsibility in ministry at an early, early age. And number, but they have to be in church. <laughs> to be trusted with ministry at an early age. You know, like, like they're entrusted to, here it goes, play sports or in extracurricular activities, which they won't miss, don't matter what day of the week. That's what that thing's talking about right there. I told you it liable to get deep. Number five, they also had at least one faith-focused adult in their lives other than their parents. So that's why 75% of those kids from 18 to 29 went on and vaped and did everything else. But there was a remnant, you see, that was Proverbs 22, 6. They were trained in the way they should go. And when they were old, they didn't depart. So, this is what we need to do, church. We need to turn our heart and turn our focus on the ones that are still like sponges and will retain... And we'll remember, and we'll go out, and they will help reap a harvest. We just saw the stats on that. That's what we need to do. We need to be like Nehemiah, and we need to see that the walls are in disarray. We need to see that the wall is going to fall sooner or later. It's going to, be, it's going to get a big gaping hole in the side of it. Now, that's what we need to do. But I want to talk for just a, another minute about the, the how. The how we're going to do it or to go about doing this. And so with that, if you have a Bible, a phone, or something, I want you to go over to the 11th chapter of Genesis. You probably know this story. But just listen if you don't remember it. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech. This was after, the, this was several generations after the flood had taken place. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found, they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, listen very closely to this, Indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing... Everybody say nothing. Nothing that they purposed to do 
will be withheld from them. I've always, always, up until about two months ago when Pastor Tim shared with us over at Northview one Thursday morning a pamphlet about speaking and different things, and this scripture was in here, and when I saw this, I have the paper right here, it ministered to me in such a way, and I told him, I said, man, that thing has blessed me. That's two months ago. And I've always thought about the Babel. And you see commercials on TV for the app about Babel, how to learn a language and all that kind of, that's where it comes from, you see. Don't tell me the world don't believe in the Bible. The world knows the Bible. That's why they don't like it, because they know the Bible. And so the language was confused. But the Lord had inserted in this story and in this account a huge, huge, major thing that you and I can take and we can not only receive, but we can employ this and run with it. It tells us something about the way we were wired. How many of you believe that you were created by God and you didn't come from a goo and a stew and a, and a boo? All right. You were made in the image of God. And so we're very complex. And God said when he told about these people, he says, listen, these people are one. They've got one language. And at this rate, I'm paraphrasing, they're of one mind. And you know later on in Acts 2, they're of one mind. They're of one accord. They're all thinking the same thing. They're all speaking the same thing, and there's nothing, he said, that they purpose or nothing, the King James says, will be restrained from them because when you put people on the same mindset and you put people saying the same thing, we call that unity. When you do that, there's Nothing, not even the gates of hell can prevail against that organization, that group. That's called the church, by the way. And it started all the way back. God told us that we can do this. So, real quick, three things I've got to get to quickly. These people were what you call, they were all in sync. Not bye, bye, bye. They were all in sync. Might even, not even be the wrong right group. I don't know. But they were all together. Thought the same thing. Build the, saying the same thing. And the Lord said, that, that's potential that they tapped into. And they could do anything. And you could still do all things through Christ is what the Bible says. But you got to be in Christ. You got to be saying the same thing. You got to be thinking this. Because you attend this church doesn't mean you're saying the same thing and you're thinking the same thing. We would be running 49,000 people right now if everybody was saying and thinking the same thing. And we kept everybody that came in doing that. I'm preaching the truth is all I'm doing today. In fact, he told me I better not say anything but the truth when I stand behind this podium. So the people are one. That's the first thing. The second thing was they speak the same language. Same thing in number three all over again. They're doing the same thing. This principle not only applies inside of the house of God. Listen, church, it applies in your home where two or more agree on anything. He, he said anything. So that takes everything off the table and it puts anything on the table. Everything that you put there that God's limited to and it just wipes out and it puts anything in the world. So it applies in your marriage. It applies in this church. It applies with your children. When you all say, as for me and my house, 
We're going to serve the Lord. We're not watching that on TV. We're not playing that kind of music. That's not coming in on our Wi-Fi router. We're not going to allow it. This house belongs to the Lord. He's been kind enough to let us live here and give us shelter and food. And we're going to be of one mind and one accord. That's a family that will be in that 25%. And I guarantee you that based on the word of God. I do, I do. So vacation Bible school. Those of you who don't know, we've never done vacation Bible school. We've always had what we call a family crusade. So all we're doing this year is we're doing vacation Bible school and we're inserting part of our crusade mentality in there because it's worked for 25 years. Hadn't it, church? Yes, it has. Amen, brother. That's why I was torn between asking all the youth and that whole team to be involved. And I told them, I, I just said, listen. I said, we're in a win-win situation. I said, I don't want to obligate y'all to a whole week over there. I said, but here's the deal. If, if we bring all those resources and all the youth and they help us, I said, we win. I said, but at the same time, if we've got something going on, over there at that building for all the siblings of the children. I said, we're going to win again, man. I said, we can't lose in this situation. So that's where Adventure Island was born. And we're even uh, leaning toward all the leftover adults and parents. We're going to have something there. But this is why God laid this on my heart yesterday. This summer, Multitudes Church, Laurel Hill Campus is going to have a summer family Focus, and I want you to worship God right now because he's worthy. Hallelujah. So, very quickly, the same guy that put up that 7525 on his Facebook page, on, on his website, he has some quotes that I just really thought brought this home today, and I'm going to share those with you. So the first one is, this is kid men wisdom, all right? Blocks do not stack themselves. It takes work to start a ministry. That's what we're doing all over again this summer. Next. God does not promise to provide us with a good job. God promises to help us do a good job. We believe in the, the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this church. We're limited, but we need the Spirit of God to take over and take control for it to be effective and for it to work and for it to reach because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and makes the difference. I just thought I'd throw that out there. We're not trying to pull this off on our own. Next thing is your theology. Hey, stay right there for a second there. Your theology determines your practice. In other words, if you tell me you're saved, if you tell your family, if you walk around and say, I'm saved and I love Jesus, and especially this part, I'm on my way to heaven. But your practice says otherwise. I'm going with your practice on destination and not your theology. Okay? I just thought I'd throw that out there. Next, wisdom has a bias toward action. Those that are wise in Christ, they're going to be doing. Notice how he never said in the Bible, Do, be sitters of the word, be watchers of the word, be used to doers of the word, be, I don't feel like it, of the what did he say? Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Wisdom has a bias toward action. This is the upside-down kingdom. Look at the picture while I read. The upside-down kingdom, to live, that's what you're in if you're on your way to heaven. To live is actually you die. To receive you actually give. It's better to give than receive. Y'all heard that before. 
To be first, you become last. This is kid ministry wisdom, by the way, straight out of the Bible. Next. There are those that say, pause, Selah, and there are those that do. How to tell the difference? What gets done? I just want to soak right there. I just want to soak. And I want it to soak in. I don't want you to be broke when you go to heaven. Do you hear me when I say that? Coming to church and saying I'm a Christian is not building up rewards. Being doers of the work, doers of the word. What gets done? That's the deal. Next, I got to hurry. This is important. I want to show you this is a two-way street. This is not just me preaching today. This means get ready because there's a lot of work to be done. Underutilization of key volunteers is as dangerous as overworking and burnout, burning out volunteers. So all of us that sign up today to help that week, Go on and look at your schedule. See if you're going to be in town. If you've got to see if I can get off work early, whatever you've got to do, make it happen. All right? Make it happen. You can do it. I promise you, you can. Listen, you're going to get used. There's plenty to do. We probably got 3,000 children in Scotland County. Don't know for sure, but somewhere around that amount. Plenty to do. People want to be a part of a movement. Someone just needs to move First, God's given us a chance to move first this week. And last but not least, unity, unity, unity is a kingdom value. I want to talk a little bit more about being in sync. Got a quick clip, another video. This is a quick one, but I want you to listen. And before we play the video... I was just looking for a video of tandem rowing like the Olympic teams do. I found a video, or God did, and, and put it in my path that was actually from a news station this Wednesday of this week. God's so good. I want you to listen to what the woman said about the whole process here. Take a look. Master team. These are the legit athletes. But you know what? A lot of them just started in August with River City Rowing Club. This is Tanya. You started in August. What made you want to get out here in the deep water channel and, and wake up early and row? Yeah, the wake up early part is still not easy, <laughs> I'll admit. But I thought I'll give this a couple weeks and see, see if I can get in the groove. And the first time I got in the boat, I said, yep, this is my thing. Yeah. It's, I mean... I'm not the one rowing, so I can say this. It's so peaceful out here. It's so beautiful. And I, this is one of the hardest workouts there is. I mean, it truly is. But there must be something a little bit uh, meditative about it as well. Definitely. That's, that's the right word for it. You come out some mornings and you're, you're not in the mood. And you get out here and you see, literally, we've seen bald eagles in the trees. And you see fish jumping. And you think, okay, I'm in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah, and tell us about, I mean, you're the master's team. You guys practice hard, you compete, but they're rolling out summer programs for kiddos, I mean, as young as 10 years old. So there really is something for every age and every athletic ability. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's, it's a pretty gentle start where you're learning the, the basics and then you work your way into the more physical things. But I'm not going to lie, you're carrying a boat pretty quick into this. So yes. your, your muscles are going to develop uh, pretty quickly um, by by force. <laughs> is this the best shape you've ever been in? I well, mean, do you feel strong? You guys are going fast. You know, this is a lot of people who came out of the pandemic and said, okay, I want to be back in the world doing some, some activity. Um, for me, I wanted a team, you know, all that time in the house with just a couple people. It was time to get out and be with more people. And you said it is as much of a mental workout as it is a physical. I mean, you're really, you're really doing everything. 
so much. Uh, getting in time with your team is a, a big part of the effort, but you're also you're learning a new language in a lot of ways. I mean, language that goes back, you know, centuries. And there's just a lot to keep in mind. Um, but because of that, you're also not thinking about work. You're not thinking about traffic. You're not thinking about anything else because there's no room for it. So that's also part of the meditative part. Love that. Okay, well, we should probably see how strong this team is. Okay, uh, everyone, sit ready. This is called a racing start. Attention. Row. Oh, it's like you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> we practiced. <laughs> we are flying, you guys. <laughs> All right. Hey, good day, Sacramento. We'll be back after this break. Did you notice how all of the oars are moving? Nobody just sit there and just said, I don't feel like doing it today. There's enough people rowing. All of the oars were moving, and that boat was able to move. That was an in-sync moment. This, this bike slide I want you to look at real quick, not only was children 10 years of age mentioned in the video, but we even got an old couple here riding a bike, a tandem bike. Notice their feet are in the same place. They're going. You can't. You can't one uh, of you on the back or the front just stay in a locked position. while the, It doesn't work that way. The bike won't move that way. And see, not only does that happen, but let me show you this about a football team. When a football team, and I emphasize the word team, wins a championship, it's not, be, there might be an MVP, but there's not an MVP unless there's an offensive line, a defensive line, linebackers, tackles, running backs. There's a whole team that wins a championship, not just one superstar. That's how you are a winner and a championship winner when you get in sync, when you are able to do your job and do what you're supposed to be doing and what you are gifted to do, that's when you win. And I like this picture of this pit crew right here because this pit crew actually has not only a guy that's filling up the gas tank and it might not even be on this picture, but the pit crew has a guy that is doing the tires and another guy is pulling off the windshield and the guy that's pumping the air on this front left tire. Everybody has a role. There's even someone to hold the excess hose there. What is your point, preacher? I'm telling you, the way you win races, the way you win championships, the way you move fast across the water, the way you build up walls that Satan is constantly brick by brick tearing down is you all get in sync. You speak the same language. You say the same thing. You have the same care for the project, what you're doing, the same goal. You all care about the same thing. And most of all, God is glorified because we crucify our flesh for the greater good of the Word of God so children don't get lost in 75%, so children don't go wayward, so they don't go to hell, and we're able to be a part of the work of Jesus Christ. And I love it because every video, except for the one with the guys over at the youth center, every video you saw, every slide, you Nobody was sitting there playing on a cell phone. Nobody was just sitting back watching. Nobody was on. Everybody was doing something. And that's why Paul spent so much time in the 12th chapter of Corinthians. And he was making reference to the spiritual gifts. And he was uh, referencing that to the human body. Everybody is important. Every ligament, every joint Every one of you, I don't care what a doctor's appointment you just left last week and they said you got all this wrong. I want to tell you today in the name of Jesus what you got right. You still got a mouth. You still got hands. You still got feet. 
You've got something you can do, and you need to do it for a greater purpose than your wallet or a new bedroom at your house or your garage. It needs to be to keep some mama that's been praying about her baby out of hell because she can't fight against the school system. She can't fight against social media. It's time for the church to be the church, and God has mandated this church to do what we were raised to do 25 years ago. He has. That's all a picture. That's what we see at Pentecost. The very reason Satan is still investing so much time in the church in making sure that people are not in sync. He's spending so much time. And it don't matter. You can have 99% unity. And all you need is one, one part that just can't let go or embrace or sign up or get involved. Just say, look, this is the way I want to die. This is the way I want to be raptured. I want to be occupying. Jesus said, occupy till I come. He said, will I find faith on the earth? He said, you need to be doing the work. I left you here to do greater things. And there's a great thing when you save a life, when you rescue a child from hell. You put them back on the right track because the world's trying to pull them off. And Satan is keeping the church out of sync. Our church, the church in general, there might be a good... And don't judge everything by a good altar call or a good service. You don't do that. You judge by the way people define us. That's a love... And the way we define each other. I, I, I... I I, I know, I know you wouldn't be comfortable wearing these hard-bottom shoes right now. But I'm not going to talk about you not wearing my hard-bottom shoes. Nell Jr. over there. I know he'd rather be in them sneakers he's in because they feel better. But I tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not getting in my car and telling Angie, you know what? Nell, he ought to he ought to have some of these hard, ugly shoes I had on in church today. I can't believe he walked in here like that today. That's not unity. I don't care how true something is. That is not a permission from heaven for me to hold a grudge or to say something or to treat you indifferent or not to be a part of ministry because God did not give me permission based on me. God gave me permission based on this world. And he told me, you've got to love, you've got to live, you've got to operate, you've got to give, you've got to Pray the way I did. I saved you with my own blood. So you've got to live. I'm sorry about my voice today, but I praise God. It's the best it's been in three weeks. But listen, God today wants you to know it's time. It's time. It's time for multitudes and every other church that understands the hour we live in to be in sync. If he keeps us out of sync, he's guaranteed we're going to have very little to no progress or power. And he can do it because he knows the word. He knows, he knows what to keep me worked up about or keep me focused on or keep me distracted with. He knows what to do because he knows the word so well that if he can keep me, now he might not be able to get me to say, you know, backslide or, you know, I'm still going to heaven and all that. But if he can keep me comfortable in a seat, if he can say, well, they got too many people doing that. They, ain't, they don't need all this help. All that bull he gives you. I, I don't, don't get offended with bull. All that mess. All that mess. He knows what to say. He knows how to get you to stay in your comfort, unbiblical zone. He knows how to do that. He knows how to do it. So, we need to pray because we know what, what the wall looks like. Amen? But we also know the Bible. God's put it in our path that we can say the same thing. We can do the same thing, and there's no telling. You know, we, we have been, been working so hard upstairs and hopefully we'll be completely gutted this week because our goal is the week we finish, our goal, prayer, 
the week we are finished with this vacation Bible school, we have our first Sunday upstairs, and there is a ton of work still left to be done. But we're not playing, church. I want to go home. I want to go home, war, slam out for Jesus. Do you hear me? I want to go home. I want to go home now, but I really want to go home. And I want him to say, I've been telling you. I'm going to say it again. I want him to say, Opie, well done, son. Well done. You didn't sit back. You didn't just get comfortable. You just didn't preach every week and let things take its course. No, you listened to me and charted the course. God, through the Holy Ghost, has charted the course. The Lord loves the children. He said, if you offend the children, if you offend them, it's better that you put a millstone around your neck and be cast into the ocean. We got to pray, church. So let me tell you before we pray. We're meeting back because we have to move prayer back. Instead of the end of the month, we're moving it back a week. So we're praying today at 530, and this is what we're praying about. Tomorrow at uh, 6 o'clock, 6.30. 6 o'clock, is that when it is? Well, it's going to be 6 o'clock. Tomorrow at 6 o'clock. No, 6.30. 6.30. We're going to be here at 5.30 today. We're going to be here at 6.30 tomorrow and 6.30 Tuesday. And we're going to pray about everything I preached about. But we're not going to stop there. Wednesday night, for the people that cannot get out of their house, there will be a live stream, but this same remnant will be meeting over in the cafeteria to start with prayer, and then we're going to start working on some of those rooms for VBS. And we need everybody with a pulse. While the classes are going on, Church, we got to be focused and we've got to be serious. Father in heaven, as we bow our heads and we look to you, you're the author and the finisher of our faith. But God, you've left us in this church. You've spared us from heart attacks and cancer. You've spared us from car wrecks, failed marriages and drug addictions. You have spared us from so many things to keep us alive for such a time as this. So, Lord, help us not to miss this moment, Father. We're not here trying to take up a pile of money. We're not here trying to buy a new toy or something to impress, to brag about on Facebook. We're here to win children that you bled and died for, Jesus. And so we ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would anoint us today. You would show us, Lord, how much time that we really don't have and help us to move oh God as a result of that Lord help us to be convicted if we walk out of this building today God I pray people do not rest because the gift and calling of you oh God are without repentance I pray people are not able to rest and God I have no problem praying that for your glory because there's children that their input, Lord, their touch, their involvement may win and make the Not mine, not another teacher, but them, Lord. So help us to see, God, we are literally playing with hellfire, Lord. God, we give you praise, and I pray, use me, Lord, use me in Jesus' name. God's been dealing with me about this service. God didn't just want to do something in the life of children, but he wants to do something in every person's life that's here. See, I don't think you can reach a place and just level off in Jesus because that's all there is. Hey, deep calls unto deep, you see. God's never going to work against his word or against himself. And God wants to do something in every person's life in this room right now. He wants to do something in there. 
And I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I do know this without because I've tasted and seen myself. I do know this. When I've gotten to the place, sometimes I had to be led by God to the place, but sometimes I just went on my own. But when you get to the place where you want Him more than you want you, God will do a brand new work in your life. He'll do it in your family. He'll do it in your world around you. And I don't know how many people I just spoke to, but Joe's already said it. Hadn't hadn't discussed one thing with him, but he's already said it earlier today. Not here to rush God. He's too good to rush him. Not here to say, God, look, I got to get my plate in 12, 15. God, I got to be out of here at 5 till because the line's going to get long. If you just want God more than you want you right now because you know God's left you alive to do something you don't know what it is. God's calling deep under deep. He's calling you right now to be part of one. I want to know who and how many people that is to make you a place all across this altar so as one voice we can cry out to God this morning and don't give the devil an opportunity to talk you out of this. Hallelujah. What you do today may change the rest of your life. It may change something for your spouse or your children or maybe you where you work at or your neighbor I know God is so unlimited and as you're coming I just cannot help but believe that this is going to be the attitude and the functioning part of the church when the trap when the trumpet sounds God, I come to this altar today. We come to this altar as many separate people, Lord. But we want to we dwell here and leave here as one, Lord. So I'm asking you, God, in the name of Jesus, to take every ounce of me, Lord. I crucified. You got to do that, church. I crucify it right now. You can pray whatever the Lord's laid on your heart. You know your situation. You know your circumstances. You know how and what you need to pray. But you need to say, God, in some way, some form, I lay every ounce of me down right now in the name of Jesus. people in the church, if you can't love co-workers from other churches at where you work at, you can't do it. He said, I didn't say it, he said, how in the world can you love God whom you have not seen if you can't love the people around you? And this is work I have to do. I'm marginalized people especially the demographics where we live at. You get worked up, you get mad, you see where money's thrown and blown, and you let a lot of that flesh influence you. But it has so much control over the spirit man. And God says, you can't serve too much. You can't be a part of this world. So my flesh has got to die, you see. God, we do. We lay ourselves open before you right now in the name of Jesus. All I want is you, Lord. All I want is you. And I want the world to see you through me, Lord. I don't want to have to tell a soul I'm a Christian, Lord. I want people to sense the love of Jesus even in a hostile environment called the world that we live in. I still want that 
to be more powerful than any attack Satan brings against me or any sin or any law or any rule or anything he changes in the world around me. I want the love of Jesus to be stronger than anything else. If you are a sinner, listen, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. But you've got to understand, I am a sinner. And you can't just say, and this is going to upset people probably, but you just can't say a sinner's prayer. You've got to be remorseful. Remorse brings repentance. If you step on somebody's toe, I did that. I, I did that to Angie the other day. I did, I did it to Beckham this, this morning. I thought I bumped into him. And I felt bad. Didn't get hurt, didn't cry, nothing like that. But what I'm saying is remorse will automatically bring repentance. You don't have to be coached to be repentant. When you are sorry for your sins, when you are sorry for your life, you were born into sin, you are automatically a sinner. When you are truly sorry, even as a Christian, remorse will bring repentance. And that's when you fall at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus... I repent. I've violated your law. I've stored and built up wrath. And I am so sorry. And I cannot leave this world and go to heaven without the blood of Jesus Christ washing away my sins. So Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm truly sorry. I denounce that way of living. I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm going to do everything in my power through reading your word, knowing how to walk, doing what you've told me to do. I'm going to live and pursue you the rest of my life. That's a sinner's prayer, church. And if you're here today or online and you haven't ever been to that place, but now you understand, I've just said a prayer. I said it when I was in Sunday school as a child. And you hadn't been sorry for what you've done against God and His law. Today is that day again, I say. Today is the day of salvation. You don't want to walk out of the building unprepared to take your last breath. And if you're not truly, truly, truly repentant, you're not ready to take your last breath. You're not ready for the trumpet to sound. But if you are, and you've laid it all down, you've crucified your flesh, the song Derek's playing now, this is what you sing. Hallelujah. Let my life song sing to you. It's not singing sports. It's not singing politics. It's not singing weather. It's not singing money. It's not even singing current affairs. My life song now is singing Jesus Christ and Him crucified. you I got to stop the Holy Ghost just quickened me Hallelujah. there's nothing worth missing what God has for you every person here online you need to evaluate where you are online I can't see you but you need to evaluate And you need to say, why, why are you saying that? Because I'm the pastor. See, I know people that's got childhood scars for decades still trying to work through it in this church. 
I know people will go to a work or to a school tomorrow and have nervous stomachs because they're miserable. I know people will go to homes today that don't feel like a home, you see. I know people that'll come in and out or log online and go through the motion. And the Lord said, is it worth, is it worth, is it worth to continue for what I have for you? And what I want to do for the world around, is it worth it? If it is, just stay put where you are in life. Stay put. If you find more glory, if, if that brings more glory to God than what I'm telling you right now, then you just hold it. But the blood is off of my hands. I've told you on behalf of the Holy Ghost. See, I've told you. I've told you. So evaluate it. I'm not asking you to do no more evaluating than I'm doing. Father, you're all I want. You're all I need. God, and I can't see everybody through the camera today. I can't even see everybody here. But I know your voice, Lord. And I know you got something in store. We've tarried this service, God, today. We're hungry for more. And it's not us, it's you. So, God, I want you to have your way in my life, in the life of this church, and in this community, God. I love you, Jesus. God, we need you.